This evening's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 to 16, in the Church Bibles, page 968, page 968 in the Church Bibles, Matthew 5, verses 1 to 16. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Brilliant. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Chris. If you don't know me, um, I'm the Assistant Minister here at St. John's, and it's good to be with you. Um, Let's pray before we look at this passage together. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word that you would speak to us. Show us your light. And we pray, Lord, that um, we would be changed through what we hear from you this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, As uh, as Neil mentioned, we're in this uh, sermon series, week two, uh, in Matthew chapters five to seven. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And it's about... Jesus' disciples living counterculturally, living distinctively. That's, uh, it's very challenging in many ways. It's not, it's not actually, in one sense, an easy read. It's very, very challenging what Jesus says in these chapters. Uh, last week we heard um, that Christians are called to have a very distinctive type of character, a transformed character. And this week we're thinking about why is that? 
Why is that? Uh, specifically, what, what, what's, what's the purpose of Christians having very distinctive type of character? Why is that? It's fair to say we need to know that. If there is no purpose, there's uh, no point to doing it. You could say, why bother? What's the purpose of living distinctively? Well, the purpose of being distinctive is it's for other people's sake. It's for other people's sake. That's the thrust of being kind of salt and light, to live for other people's sake. Uh, In saying this, I realize um, uh, it is also for our own sake. I'm not denying that at all. Uh, There is huge blessing for, for anyone who lives as a disciple of Jesus, of course. But in terms of the purpose of living out those blessings in our everyday lives, uh, the purpose, the focus of that is to benefit other people for other people's sake. Uh, think of it this way. Uh, if you were made a uh, football team captain, for example, uh, I was that once. Uh, I think I was okay, um, except for scoring one or two own goals, which is quite bad for team morale. Anyway, I think I was all right, generally. But if you're made team captain, uh, yes, it benefits you, doesn't it? There are, there are blessings. You, you, you grow in your gifts. You have a sense of satisfaction, that kind of thing. It benefits you. But the actual purpose of having a team captain is not actually about you. Otherwise, you'd make 11 people team captains. You know. The purpose is for the sake of other people. To lead them, make them work together, get the best out of them, that kind of thing. And you could say the same of course, uh, for many jobs, many, many jobs. The purpose isn't primarily for your sake, in one sense. It's for other people's sake. It's to influence them. It's to have an impact on them. I wonder if you think of your life in that way. Uh, we're often uh, very used to thinking that my life is for the benefit, not so much of others, maybe a bit, but mainly of me. It's me. That's what our Western individualistic kind of society preaches to us, very much. And if we're honest, um, we might not like the sound of this, thinking my life is for other people's sake. Um, perhaps we're not convinced it's a good thing. Uh, naturally, there is you know, something deep inside of us that often cries out, you know, my life, is not my, my life is my own, actually. My life is my own. Maybe we're not convinced it's a good thing to live for others. Uh, perhaps we're not um, confident, alternatively, that we're not confident that we can actually live like this. Maybe that's your thing. I mean, what Jesus tells us is, it sounds hard. It sounds hard. You know, I've got enough trouble kind of looking after my own life, let alone being about other people. Maybe that's how you feel. So it's important, um, before we go any further, uh, to recognize an important point here. uh, That Jesus is talking here about our actual identity. He's saying, uh, you might not realize it yet, but, but if you follow and trust in me, in Jesus, Jesus says, this is who you are. This is who you are. Uh, Look how Jesus says it uh, in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And then verse 14, you are the light of the world. So Jesus uh, does not say, uh, Christian, if you want to be, you could become like salt, like light. He doesn't say that. And Jesus does not say, I'm really hoping that one day you'll be like salt, like light. He doesn't say that. What does he say? 
He says, if you follow and trust in me, you are salt. You are light, light of the world. You are. Okay, Jesus, maybe, maybe one day I'll be salt and light. No, 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 no. Do you follow me, right? Do you trust in me? Well, then you are salt and light today, now. Oh, that feels a bit different, doesn't it? So can I say, if, if you're not convinced it's a, kind of a good thing to be salt and light, to live for other people's sake, well, hear Jesus out on this. It is who you are if you're a Christian. And can I say, if you're not confident you can live for other people's sake, my life's just too hard. Um, well, Jesus knows our situations. He knows the troubles of life. And he says, you're still salt and light. You're still salt and light. Uh, let's turn now to think in a bit more detail about what it means being salt and light. What, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, let's think first about salt. Salt. And uh, Jesus says... My disciples, you are the salt of the earth. Uh, the thing about salt is this, or many things about it, but the, the main thing really is that salt has been incredibly valuable through history because it protects meat from decay. Um, when do I use salt? Uh, not so much for that, actually. Um, I use salt in, in bolognese, if I remember. Not often. Um, in scones, if I mistake it for sugar. Uh, to clear ice on my front steps, perhaps. Different type of salt. Helpful to get that not mixed up. Uh, but in history, in history, salt has been so, so valuable, in particular, for protecting meat from decay. You know, when were freezers and fridges invented? Not that long ago. Meat goes off quickly. Salt, you rub it in, you preserve it. Very valuable. Salt protects And Jesus is saying, in a similar way, Christians, that the purpose of you living distinctive lives is so that you can protect, not me, but people. Protect people from harmful effects in the world. Jesus is saying that our world is decaying. Um, I mean, that's not very flattering of the world. No one likes decay. but, But the world is not how God made it to be. It's not as it was intended. We are a scarred world, a decaying world. There is evil. There is death. There is sin. How we treat God and treat each other. And we don't have to look very far to know that. We just think how we as humans treat each other. We can be very selfish. And this decays decays our friendships, our marriages, our communities, all sorts of things. Jesus is saying our world is decaying. and, And in that world... Christians are salt. We're there to protect people where we can from the harm, from the effects of evil, sin, death. Now you might be thinking, um, oh my word, that's a massive responsibility. And you're right. And it's fair to kind of feel the weight of that. I think that's, that's good. But do remember, with Jesus, it's never to be a bad burden. This is his kindness here. This is, this is good for others and for us too. This is his kindness. You might also be thinking, well, what does okay, being sought look like in practice? What does it look like? Is there a list of things I should be doing? Well, yes and no on that. Notice something about what Jesus says here. At, at this point in his sermon, Jesus doesn't give a list. 
He doesn't say, you are the salt of the earth, and that means A, B, C, D, E, etc. He does go on to list lots of areas in life to think through in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, but, but, but not right here, not right now. Instead, notice that being salt and being light flows directly out of the Beatitudes, the first section that we read. It flows out of Christian character, transformed character. What this means is, uh, to be salt in practice means being more and more deeply rooted in the Beatitudes, that way of life, that character, in the character of being a disciple of Jesus and how he transforms you. Seeking righteousness, mourning for sin, loving mercy, all those things. Focus on Jesus changing you on the inside. And then think what to do. And that's probably why Jesus at this point um, adds a warning, actually. I wonder if you noticed that. It's in verse, verse 13 as well. So he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So salt can itself decay. It can become useless. Jesus is warning, is it? If your character in no way reflects the character Jesus describes in verses 3 to 12, if there's nothing actually distinctive about the way you live your life, well, you won't be all that useful in Jesus' kingdom at that point. So character comes first, being transformed by Jesus through the power of his Spirit. Uh, One writer puts it this way. Uh, This is from a lady called um, Rebecca Manley Pippet. You might have heard of her. And this is her book, Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World. It's a really good book about this kind of thing. uh, She says this. She says, Serving others is not enough. Indeed, our ministry to others is dependent on our being fed by Christ himself. And it is the Holy Spirit who makes Jesus alive to us and nourishes him in us. Only the Holy Spirit and our obedient will can, can bring out transformation. We must pray first for a renewal of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we seek to minister. Having our, having our character transformed, that must come first. But then, what else can we do to try to live as salt? So what about that? To live that out, what about that? Uh, well, one thing at least, and I found this helpful myself, is, is simply to try to notice where you see decay in the world around you. Just to, to notice, to see. Notice where you see kind of harmful effects of evil, sin, death, in whatever way. In yourself, in people you know, people you come across, what do you see? Selfishness and pride? Unfair treatment in your workplace? People needing mercy and no one giving it? People at war with each other? Nasty relationship breakdown? The list, of course, is endless. But all those things in different ways come from the world decaying, from evil, sin, and death. What do you, what do you see? What do you notice? Look at the world around us. It's right, of course, uh, for Christians to get involved in, in national issues of different sorts, you know, social issues, politics, of course, and human trafficking, I mean, and kind of lots of things, ideologies behind lots of things, national issues of whatever sort, so much you could be involved in and think about, things that might concern us in different ways. 
Above all, I'd say, let's look at our everyday lives, our day-to-day, with the people we know, the people we meet. Where do you see the effect of decay? That's a step to then, perhaps, in whatever way, being salt in that situation. What do you see? Look around. Salt. Salt protects. Salt protects. Uh, let's move on, I'd say, think now, uh, from salt to light. Light. Uh, so in verse 14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Uh, do you know those um, uh, satellite images that you get um, of the world at night? Kind of, a, kind of a hovering across continents. Have you seen those? Maybe screensavers, that kind of thing. You know, kind of close enough to kind of see some of the detail. And at night time, and you, you see the lights. Where there are cities, these towns, you see the lights. And where there are no cities and towns, it's just kind of this, it's just darkness. Do you know those? You've probably seen them. Imagine you're hovering over the world like that. Jesus is saying it's like that. The world is in darkness. But there are lights. Not of towns and cities, but the lights you see. Some, some are lots, sometimes a lot, sometimes not many. Those lights you see are followers of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Striking. What does he mean? Well, um, light projects. Light projects. It helps us to see. Light projects. Uh, Jesus is saying, again, in a similar way, Christians, the purpose of you living distinctive lives is so that you can project Jesus. Project Jesus, who is the way for people to return to God. Now, this, um, this light does not um, originate in us. It's a secondary light. It's a reflected light. Uh, think, of, think of the moon. Uh, we see the moon, don't we? Not because there's any light kind of coming out of it. There's not. Um, but because it reflects the sun's light. It's a secondary light, a reflected light. Christians are like little moons. I don't know if you thought about that before. Little moons, you could say. Christians project not their own light, but the light of Jesus Christ. Uh, one writer says this. He says, apart from Christ, they cannot shine. Apart from Christ, they cannot shine. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is God himself. He's pure goodness, righteousness, truthfulness, joy, gladness. And if we trust Jesus for our lives and for our salvation, he lives in us by his spirit. And in how we live, we can project him. As he transforms us, his characteristics are more and more visible in us. Now, I think that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? I think it does. In the, in the sense that it's not about people seeing us as impressive, but about them seeing something of Jesus in us. Just knowing Jesus and being transformed by him, that's the way to do that. It takes the pressure off in that sense. So Jesus says, don't hide away. Don't hide away. You've got to be seen. Uh, so do you find uh, verse 14, and I'll read along. Verse 14, he says, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, 
Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't hide away. You've got to be seen. And by the way, notice uh, the phrase good deeds there. Um, what are they? What are, what's good deeds? Well, again, kind of deeds that flow from particularly a distinctive character transformed by God. So not really good deeds in the way that culture might define them, or how we naturally define them, but how God defines them through transforming us. And so when we do good deeds in that way, people will notice and think, why is that person like that? Why is that? Where does that character come from? I haven't seen that before. That's different. And some people, through that, will be drawn to Jesus Christ. And they'll end up following Jesus. And they'll be saved. And so they will glorify God, as it says. Another writer puts it like this. He says that, says that people read Christians. They read them. He says, people who never read the Bible are constantly reading Christians. Let me say that again. Uh, people who never read the Bible are constantly reading Christians. People read us. If we live distinctively, they'll see something of Jesus. Let me give a, a couple of real-life examples uh, to help us understand this. Uh, first, a, a negative example, actually. Um, uh, there's a couple here at church who um, have a daughter, and they've shared that kind of um, in, in the first year of sixth form, she was a very keen Christian, this lady, very keen Christian. But by the end of university, uh, she was an atheist, actually. Quite a transformation. Why? Why did that happen? Well, their reflection was that, at least in big part, the Christians around her weren't being light. She was reading other Christians, but they weren't living distinctively. So she lost interest in Jesus. People read Christians. That's a negative example. Uh, what about a more positive example? Um, I want to tell you about my friend Farker. Farker, he lives up in uh, Scotland. And um, I knew Farker from university. And we had, we had a one-year exchange to another university. And we were the only two from our university to, to do that. Anyway, so I spent a lot of time with him and got to know him really well. Um, and uh, I didn't follow Jesus at the time myself. Uh, And Farker's character, I just came across as really different to me. He was fun-loving. He loved a good laugh, and we'd get involved in uh, all sorts of things and just have a really good time. But but he was distinctive in that. He didn't need alcohol to have fun. To me, that was like, what? He was distinctive. And he clearly took Jesus seriously. It turns out that I was reading him at, at that time. So when he invited me to church... I took him seriously. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come along. People read Christians. So, so. Christians, the, the purpose of the Christian life, your transformed life, is about other people. Salt to protect, light to project Jesus. Uh, can I say, if you're here and you wouldn't actually call yourself a disciple of Jesus, wouldn't say that you follow him personally, can I say, this transformed life that we're thinking about, reading about, it's something that the world cannot give you. The world cannot. The world is decaying. 
It is in darkness. Only Jesus can bring this transformation, as you know God. So I would say, kind of keep exploring what Christianity is and kind of talk to Christians about that. Um, But as we begin to wrap wrap up, a few quick reflections to help us with this, to help um, most of us here would be Christians. Um, The first is this, is that being salt and light is and must be an individual thing. It's not something uh, left to just certain people, but to all individuals. It's not just certain people like uh, missionaries or clergy or, or the church overall. It's not that the church must be salt and light, so I don't kind of really need to. It's, it's not that. So have a think about your individual situation this September. You are salt and light, whether you're starting uni in a few weeks' time. You're salt and light. Whether you're uh, back to a full office after summer break. You're salt and light. Whether life is going fine or life is going not so fine at all, you are still always salt and light. And God can use you. Being salt and light is an individual thing. And, but here's the, the second quick thing, is that it must also be a together thing. A together thing. As we as individuals live as salt and light, then our church family will reflect that too. And that's what we want, isn't it? We'll reflect that together. Not only that, but, but we need to share life together in order to help us live as salt and light as best we can. So we need each other to direct and encourage each other to stay focused on Jesus and being transformed by him. We need each other in that. That's why we meet each Sunday. That's why we kind of, through small groups, that kind of thing. We need each other, don't we? We do. It's an individual thing. It's a together thing. Finally, how much do we need prayer? How much do we need prayer? Give, pray thanks to God for who he has made us. Salt and light. And pray thanks that he is at work in us, even if life is really hard. Pray thanks to God. Pray for people, of course, people you know, people you meet. Pray for them. Pray for their protection, as we thought. Pray for them to see Jesus. And perhaps above all, pray for our hearts. Pray for our hearts, for transformation. That's the way God will use us. Pray for our hearts. Let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, thank you so much for the incredible privilege it is um, to be salt and light in the earth, in the world. Thank you that that is who we are, whatever our circumstance, if we follow Christ. And I pray so much, Lord, that for all of us, that you would transform our hearts more and more in the, in the character and that Jesus would transform us in. And we pray that through that, Lord, that you would use us. Use us for other people's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.